0: Now with technology like social media, I have to try and feel what you're happy and pissed off about, <laughs> worried about, and nervous about, and excited about. And I have to kind of put that in a little kind of blender and think, what should I spend my next year dedicated to doing mm-hmm. for you?
1: This is Taste. I'm your host, Matt Rodbar. Jamie Oliver returns to the show, this time live from Rizzoli Bookstore in Manhattan, as part of our ongoing Taste Live at Rizzoli reading series. We dig into his great new book, Five Ingredients Mediterranean: Simple, Incredible Food. We talk about his life in London. We talk about New York. Oh, it's so cool catching up with Jamie. And I hope you enjoy this live conversation.
0: Okay, hi, everyone. Welcome to Rizzoli Bookstore, and welcome to Taste Live at Rizzoli. We're so glad to have you all here tonight for Jamie Oliver, our special guest, uh, recorded live for the podcast, This Is Taste. Um, And we're especially glad to have him here to
1: to launch his newest cookbook, uh, Five Ingredients Mediterranean. Um, He's joined by Matt Rodbard. He's the founding editor of the award-winning Taste and the host of the podcast, This Is Taste. Um, And let's give a warm welcome now to, to Jamie and Matt. Hey, guys. For the podcast, we're going to do this again on April 23rd, a book called Career World, which I wrote with Dookie Hong as we're going to be talking to with Eric Kim.
0: So thank you for the applause, my wife. How are you, buddy? Very good to be here. I feel slightly guilty that all these good people have <laughs> given up their night to come and see us talk. We better deliver. I, mean, I think there'll be some delivery. We, we, we had dinner last night. We went over some things. Okay, the first question,
1: the most important question I'm going to ask you today is, have you seen Saltburn? Oh, my... <laughs>
0: Yes, it's such a weird <laughs> film. Okay, when you I nearly it? turned it off three times, but I managed to get to the naked dance at the end.
1: Oh, spoiler! Oh shit! Okay,
0: yeah. Uh, oh, oh spoiler! I can't it Depends did, what you're into. Did but. you
1: like that early 2000s, like the time that they were setting it in? Because that's like an k- important time for you. I feel like that, you
0: know, naked okay. chef was just popping. At <laughs> was it set in that time? I didn't, I didn't pick up on that nuance, um, but I certainly like that time. Yeah, that was that was yeah that was when the naked chef kicked off. And uh, there was a lot of. Good, well, certainly in the UK. It was a, a much better place to live than now. Um, uh, th- th- <laughs> we'll was, get into that. It was a good time. There was a uh, lot of good stuff going on at that. that so, period. Jamie,
1: I'm, we're going to talk about Five Ingredients Mediterranean, your new book, which is terrific and is like to the to the top of Amazon, and you can buy. It, you, you've already bought it here. But let's first talk about London. I, I I got a chance to visit your your office and studio in North London. And you walk around the neighborhood and you're seeing there's like a far restaurant, there's a loxa restaurant, there's like a high-end cocktail bar. How does London, the city of London, inspire
0: the work that you do? Um, oh, that's a, actually an interesting... Uh, first of all, I don't go out as much as people would think. Like, yeah. I've got a big family, I work hard, and <laughs> I go to bed. And then at the weekend, which I normally take off unless there's a problem, <laughs> it's all kids. So I, uh, everyone thinks I'm out in restaurants and cocktail bars on a regular basis and I'm working. Yeah. Uh, if anything, I'm cooking. Yeah. Um, but, um, but it is a city full of many great restaurants and, and a, quite a good edgy vibe. And um, certainly where we are in East London, which is one of the rougher parts of London, if I'm being sort of broad strokes. <laughs> when I say rougher, I mean like, yeah. like North London and West London's posh. Yeah. But they, they don't have that many great restaurants in East London it's full it really of it, yeah. incredible restaurants and um, delis and coffee bars and bakeries. And, yeah. and um, it's literally, it's, it's riddled with it. And, and I think what that is, is like if the rent's a bit cheaper and you're a talented person and you can get a cheaper yeah. like, rent deal, then you can just express yourself. And I love it. I love it. I love it. And it's that energy of young people, yeah. 25 to 35 year olds, like they've got technical ability. They've got the nerve to go for it because it's a tough industry it really, and, and it's you, such a great energy so you can still pop up in London right now
1: you, you can still find a little space yeah because in New York it's like becoming more challenging you have to go to like you know deep Brooklyn if, if you're going to get out of space but is, is, is there like a creative energy in London right yeah, now yeah the there's scene?
0: definitely there's definitely a sort of um, I mean every city has its own energy and I think you go there for it and tune into it but London is quite funny irreverent yeah detailed at times and loose at times and Yeah, Londoners make me laugh quite a lot. They're 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 quite interesting. When are you going to
1: do a London show?
0: I feel like maybe I never. Yeah, I have never really. I mean, maybe the Naked Chef was the most London show I ever did. Yeah, we remember Um, you. So That was twenty five years ago. Yeah. Maybe I should. Don't we want Jamie?
1: (laughs) Don't we want Jamie back on US television? Let's get an applause here, guys. (laughs) Like, where where's your Netflix show?
0: Where where? Netflix are not really that interested in me.
1: Boo. Um, I mean,
0: yeah, and, and nor is Amazon either. Yeah, But um, uh, we're, we're, we're still sort of, we got like, we do fast channel stuff now, which is, which is amazing. where a lot of the eyeballs are going and like yeah. traditional broadcast. And, um, yeah, I know. Yeah it's, 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 uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's definitely, it was always complicated getting into the US because of the way it's structured. But um, yeah, I mean, I remember launching Food Network back in the day. They were the days back into the Chelsea um, offices. Yeah, I, I remember the, like the first time I came to the states. Okay, hey, so when
1: you when you came to New York for the first time and you were like doing the Food Network meetings, was it like a nice office or was it like really scrappy? Fairly
0: scrappy. Yeah, fairly yeah. scrappy. But they were like it was like a new cable channel. They had budget, like you know the Naked Chef. That they, they loved that, and yeah. it was I think it was like me, Emeril Lagasse, and, and and Bobby Flay. That was the yeah, only yeah, yeah. only names you'd probably recognize compared to now. And, it was a good energy, and like cable yeah. was new in those days. No, um, so um, it was nice to be a part of that. It, yeah. it was fun, really good fun.
1: But back to the fast TV, like I, I turn on my, my, my Samsung and I'm, I'm watching you. It's like really, it truly
0: is. Are you gaining? Yeah, if you've got a Samsung TV, you get me for free. My guy. Like, so you get a know, channel. Can you all please upgrade your TVs? You know, the Sam- and like we can continue this night this together. <laughs> like, you know, you just got me. No, I have got, I I got my own channel. It's just relentless. No, you literally have your Relentless own. Jamie. I'm just always there, 24-7. Really, I mean, it's, it's like... It's good TV. For my wife, you know, big old Samsung TV in the front room. Yeah, are like, you doing 72? This, I can program it so when you turn it on, I come on. And it's like my wife is just like... <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? Like, <laughs> have you gone to a friend's house and programmed it so you go on for the first time? I do it every time, of course. It's <laughs> like, Hi. <laughs> all right,
1: I want to talk about the way that you set up your office um, in East London. You have this really unique, it kind of like, I'm going to say Warhol Factory, we're in like a book art bookstore, it kind of has that vibe, meaning there's like all sorts of creatives around. You're doing cookware, you're doing television, you're doing cookbooks, you're doing advocacy. And let me just get, a, for our audience in the podcast, I want to get a sense of how do you think about your 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 work and your business when you've got everyone in this in this kind of factory, literally?
0: Uh. Um, It's hard to explain. We're a very unusual business. I agree Uh, in the um, best way possible. And we like to express um, sort of the passion and creativity in food um, in lots of ways. Um, I think because like uh, when I started 25 years ago, I was a bit more like edgy and like a bit, I guess, cooler and a bit more niche. But then you sort of earn your stripes into being mainstream. And then when you become mainstream, that's like a weird. What does that mean? It's a bit like pop music or like, you know. But I think... I really believe in, like, you got to ride the wave and then just go on your own personal journey. But also, if you can, it's a really weird thing to explain. If you can connect with an audience, and mine's a global audience, we were broadcasting to 120 yeah. countries, like, pretty quick. Um, with that comes responsibility. Yeah. And then if you're to be relevant the next year, and, and to be very frank about everything you've seen, like, I haven't got many contracts that are beyond a year. Yeah. Like, I can get fired pretty quick. <laughs> Like you mean honest, this is not no, your honestly, choice. No, no, everyone. Oh, it's Jamie, I've really. Like, I get fired <laughs> really quick across most stuff I do. So staying relevant is yeah. a is a and being an author, connecting with people, book buyers, earning your sale. Yeah, you know it's not easy. No, publishing is not easy. But no. the whole game Pardon is not me. easy. So it. I, I, I and it, this is not me trying to sound worthy or anything. Like, I have to be in service to the public and that includes every one of you in here. Yeah. Like now with technology, which is obviously old technology now, but like social media, comments and, and like the ability to broadcast and listen yeah. is you have to listen. and I And I have to try and feel what you're happy and pissed off about and worried <laughs> about and nervous about and excited about. And I have to kind of put that in a little kind of blender and think what should I spend my next year dedicated to doing mm-hmm. for you? And I'm not saying I get it individually right for you every year, but I kind of have to roughly go roughly in the right area. And if I go to, and I have done this, if you go two years too late or two years too early, you don't get the weight. What's worse earlier or late? Early is really frustrating because if Truly. I if I put a load of time and money into something yeah. that's p- bloody important and brilliant and like yeah. has this capacity to sort of celebrate food in this incredible way and you're too early and it's just dead. And you're like, oh, that hurt. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then, then, the, then two years later, yeah. like some schmucks do it that don't really, they don't really care about it in the same way. Like it might be a, a bigger corporation. Or like, so the bigger corporations are always and very good and robust at sniffing around the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And before you know it. It's and probably- this is probably technological, like technology, and, and specifically, like you're
1: very early to the internet. You were very early on social media. You're probably doing things that, yeah. yeah.
0: We were early on a lot of stuff, but uh, people often look at us as being really good and professional, but, like, we're genuinely baffled about the whole thing. (laughs) So if you're baffled in, you know, like, this idea that you're, like, um, like, we're we're just... It's a kind of... The normal is being dizzy, and and, and I guess the the trick is to keep listening and and then reacting and, and trying to use your craft or your ability to connect with people and... Amplify that across the world and 140 try and yeah, and I, and I think in in like it's crazy when you say you know that. it it we all go about our life in life's busy, it's challenging. Yeah, every one of us has got stuff thrown at us for better and for worse all the time, and food somehow has to fit into that. So the question is how, and. People often forget that the biggest industry in the world is the food industry. The biggest employer in the world is the food industry. So it ain't arms, it ain't oil, it ain't city trading. It's you forget food, about food, the grocery food.
1: store. It's a trillion dollar business in the United States alone,
0: one trillion dollars. Yeah. And, and where you choose to spend your dollar yeah. is highly political. Yeah. But you think, oh, I'm just busy, I'm just buying a coffee. Yeah, you're buying like a six, seven dollar coffee. Like, is it the best, you know? So like I think just people are often disempowered by their power. Yeah. But actually we I mean, part of what I do is tell stories and make documentaries that make people sort of spend a dollar slightly differently. Yep. And then what's really interesting <laughs> is that um, wherever the dollar goes, everyone follows. <laughs> so really? it's so I think, like, trying to do that at a kind of corporate level or a government level, certainly my ag- – ag- how do you say Agravacy. Advocacy. Advocacy. Yeah. I can't yeah. even say I
1: have it. a related question, though. I think when I visited your office, and this is related, you had a big vision board um, – a literal whiteboard of of lobbying efforts in political activism, in efforts that you were actually, you know, pressuring parliament to make change. You were actually working with government. And I want to get a sense for the podcast and for the audience: um, what's on that board now? And I just want to also just hear a little bit about how you um, really got the sugar tax passed in the UK. Yeah.
0: Okay. Crumbs.
1: Um, no, this is and do it in thirty seconds, please.
0: Uh, so, look, I think. On the journey, like I got to know the voices of people around the world, what they're worried about. So I start making programs and documentaries to answer some of those questions. Um, probably one of the things that we do quite uniquely very well is campaigning TV. So what does that mean? It means hiring a team and structuring a team that can actually campaign. So what do you mean by that? So, to clarify. so it, it, documentary that making is quite structured. It's production, and there's a budget, there's a team. Like that, you're good or not good, and then you tell a story, and then you get that story everywhere. Campaigning is a team, uh, and it's hard, and and it's it's it, that's how we're going to election time. That's how people get voted for, and like so, building a case for, for large amounts of people to say I agree and I support you is it has a very long tail. Yeah. So I, when I did say school dinners like 15 years ago which was a you know we had no standards for kids food in britain at all you know so 190 days of the year kids go to school for breakfast and lunch there's no standards it's a wild west all kinds of shit going in there terrible filthy stuff Uh, no standards so we created the first standards ever in british history there were standards for dog food i mean how british is that by the way there's standards for dog food to sell and if you don't adhere to them, you go to jail. Like, like it's serious business. But our kids, ah, you know, yeah. so, so that's, I mean, so you have to have a very long tail to, 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 to shepherd that to a good resolve. But also the resolve, which is winning, which we did, um, you have to keep, another government can change it. So you have to have a long tail that keeps it, dig your heels in, and, and that becomes part of modern culture. So yeah. you can't go back regardless. So Give me an example of, of, of a film or piece of content that you created that actually in, enacted changes. It feels uh, like... The, you the sugary drinks tax is a really interesting one I do. Yeah, that's a good step back to that I one. I do like a couple of documentaries, prime time. And we tell the story of sugar. We, we show that the biggest source of sugar in our kids' lives is through sugary sweetened drinks. Then we look at the industry. And then we say, look, they came in a few years ago and it was cute and it was a treat. And now it's hydration. Like, is that cool? Like, what do we do about it? So then you build a case to tax it. And that is a tax that the businesses would take. And then when you tax it, you say you've got to ring fence it and only spend that tax for good. Mm-hmm. Right? So governments hate this across the world. So you say that tax, which was $430 on the first year, um, only goes to elementary schools yeah. for breakfast clubs and sports clubs. Ring taxing is like you're marking the tax money for yeah, they exactly. call it. Yeah, they call it hypothecation. And, and yeah. it's a big word for you can only spend it on that subject. Yeah. And they hate it. Because what they like to do with your money in tax is whatever they want to do with it. Like they don't want to be told what to do with it. So, um, so, so we do that and we get it across the line. But basically, what we created was the fastest reformulation of sugary sweetened drinks in the world ever. This is key. Um, Reformulation
1: of a drink. You're not saying you're taking all of the sugar out of drinks.
0: It's reformulation. You're not saying you're only doing. And we did it in in two gears. So, So there was always like a carrot for for any level and but 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 it's but but then if you if you judge me on on that that's not the genius of of the story the genius of the story is that when you when government when authority creates rules right you wouldn't want to watch a sports game without rules right it'd just be a fight on the pitch so you have to like this idea that you can't be a nanny state is wrong. Like like, nannies are really important and the rules are really important and they're the things that keep your planes in the air and the seatbelts doing their jobs and the geezer that drives your (laughs) kids to school like trained extra Mm -hmm. than you to take a hundred kids. You know, like, Mm -hmm. so um, the genius of it is that when you create these rules, they invest in R&D departments and then they invest in new products and then they give you more choice. And then what you see, what, what happened in Britain is in the first year, we took the tax, we reformulated it, genius. And then they created more milk, more water, more fruit products. And then in your vending machine, you had more choice. The companies that were making the so, sodas decided to pivot to yeah. healthier food. So what's interesting is the interesting. CEOs and the marketing companies and the sort of dark side of those businesses will see me as an enemy, right? So let's just look at that for a second. It's, it's so fascinating. Yeah. So I grew their business. They took more money they made more profit. The senior management got bigger bonuses because of me. <laughs> and I'm the enemy. What you get is a more reformulated product. Nothing's taken away. You can still get your Coke red, right? So no one's taken nothing away. You've still got what you want, but you get a better version of all the other stuff, plus you get more choice. Yeah. So when you go, when you're working a shift, doing a night shift in a call center in God knows where, and it's free in the morning, like you got, it ain't just the same stuff. You've got choice. So for yeah. me, I'm, Pro-choice, rarely do we ever try and take anything away unless no. it's harmful to you. And, and weirdly, governments are really bad at taking harmful stuff yeah, away. We, we
1: tried like, uh, Bloomberg tried to hear about uh, 12 years ago, it felt, but he was trying to take it away. No,
0: Bloomberg is a classic story. We work very closely with him. Like, he was yeah. two and a half years too early. There you go. Bring he would have got that, that over the line he, yeah. two and a half years. But he but got then, the smoking ban, and we're all better for that in America. Yeah, but then the ripples, because he did the US thing that didn't work, he got the Mexican one over the line, right? And the ripples of that is then you've got, we've got 50 countries that have now taken on what we did in the UK. So and it's a, it's a, I think it's a really fascinating lesson to life. Yeah. Like certainly in the press, you're always judged in a very binary way. Like yes, <laughs> yeah. no, white, Well, the black, British press on, is probably off. the most. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, for sure. And, but, but that's just Simpleton way of looking at anything. Yeah. Like the ripples. Well,
1: you the, know what the, that... rip,
0: the ripples are always like... Yeah. The juicy, interesting, nuanced bit—like you do an action and then there, there's yeah. a reaction—but look beyond the obvious. Look, look yeah. beyond the pillar, and that's where the good stuff is.
1: That, my friends, that was the the, hard, the vegetable portion of this interview. Like the, we're like we're doing heavy vegetables. There, are we talking about metaphors for a balanced metaphors? Meal? We're getting into so let's actually get into a little bit of like the good, you know, the fried stuff. Let's get into talk about cooking. I want to hear about this book, Five Ingredients Mediterranean. How do you think about this challenge because in the book and it's very beautiful the way you've done it you show the five ingredients and you're like this is a great dish and there's repeat 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 how do you like is simplicity that's like one of the hardest challenges in cookbook writing wouldn't you say
0: yeah i mean i um so i like i i mean i'm gonna try and not uh, so for context so i'm probably the best-selling cookery author in the world and i'm not saying that to Like I'm, I'm. That'll sound arrogant and and not humble, which is I'm not. Forty
1: five million books, heading towards fifty. Heading towards yeah. So fifty million books have been sold. But
0: like I, I don't want to. Just come with me on this. (laughs) Let's let's get come. Come with me. Like I was also a really thick kid at school, so I was dyslexic in special needs, utter failure, right? So I think you put the two things together, and we're just like, okay, that's getting interesting. So. When you've got neurodiversity or you struggle with things, you have to problem-solve and get around it, okay? So then, like, when it comes to that, which is sort of like words were my enemy. So, like, if something's going to hurt or burn you, you run away from it. So then I had this gift of having an opportunity to write a book. So you have to, like, it's a very... Very emotional yeah. subject. So I, like, if you're kind of like niche and you're foodie and like you're like into it and you're kind of geeky and nuanced, cool. I, I've got books for you. I've written them, <laughs> right? And I've given you the best version I can of that. Historical, philosophical. You really like, want a good one about America. One of my best books is America. And I the, love your yeah, America yeah, book. Yeah, like, but the But like that is answering a... That's a question. That's an answer to a problem. So... So you have to be able to divide yourself and not just do things for yourself. So you listen hard and then as a dyslexic, like the white page is different to me. So I, I get in a little room, in a glass room, I have stickies. Yeah. And, I, and before I write one single recipe, I break it down into structures and, 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 and chapters that kind of flow. And then within the chapters, I look at a nice mix of the most common, like to give myself to you, which is how I look at it. I look at exactly what all of you buy and I get that data. So I roughly know what you're all buying every week. And, and roughly what you all buy every week in your basket data, is a, it doesn't change much. It's about 4% different every week, right? So I'm looking at the proteins you're buying, the veg you're buying, right? And then I go, okay. And, and it's, this is for the States and the UK. I, I, I do both out of curiosity. So then I look at the chapter and I start going, right, chicken, like what would we do on fish? Like veggies, like carbs. So I break down that, say ten. 10 chapters, 10 things in it. So I want a nice spread because I want to get enough recipes that will resonate. Each recipe will resonate with different people in the room for different reasons. So I've got to get enough of what you want, enough of what I know you're going to like, and enough of what you don't know you're going to like yet. <laughs> right. So that's like the two years too early stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I've got to study what's in the supermarkets because like, I, I love and support the farmer's markets, but like, I know the people are in the, fu- in the supermarkets. So that relationship's important because we want them to be better. And where you spend and what you ask, you, what, what you ask for makes them change. And, and I, I, I have to, although there's lots of reasons not to, I have to believe that small, medium, and big businesses can all be better. Mm-hmm. And we're all part of that. So I haven't even written a recipe yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is <laughs> so then we start traveling. The then we start doing the TV. Then we put the TV research in. Right? And we're in Spain, France, you know, Greece. We're in Tunisia you know, and then we start writing, right, and then we put, we start looking at little things like pastes, pestos, tapenades, harissas, um, that are like these little flavor bombs, slap,
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know
0: so you're buying loads of chicken you lot you're all buying loads of chicken chicken is like 70 percent of the recipe vegan. but like yeah. the, the, the chicken everywhere so yeah. I, but actually a lot of people are bored of the same old same old same old so you start using these little kind of flavor bombs just to give it a spank here and there and it's like okay cool what's are we going north african are we you know, i mean
1: harissa this? is in like many of the recipes
0: yeah Not many that that, be that's, be, that's because that in this be re- book like tunisia stole my heart a little yeah, bit yeah because i feel and like it's you, it's like it, it's it hasn't become let's
1: talk about harissa a bit let's go there harissa
0: when you think about harissa what is it doing to a protein like a chicken or like a fish it's good on everything I, really, I mean, it's a, I think the combination of chilies and, and how they dry it and then rehydrate it and then mince it and then add yeah. their own preference of spice. You get it in a jar and you rub it on a chicken breast or a piece of white fish or you use it as part of a dressing or a marinade or like mm-hmm. just a little tiny little bit on something that's like creamy and tangy and delicious and cheese and veg and like. But, you know, you can use it like overtly and just go for it. Or yeah. you can just have such restraint, but it's just sort of like woohoo. In like the a background. touch in like a big bowl of yogurt. Yeah, like. no, I think so. I, I think like, but also, it's in all the supermarkets. So, um, yeah. So you like use it or lose it. So like the supermarkets will absolutely sell anything, honestly. But you got to ask for it. Yeah. So if you if you go to the same brand in an area where there's a massive Indian population yeah. or an Asian population, like you'll see them like peaking in those areas yeah. and in a regular version that you wouldn't get that so they can do anything i
1: like the um, new york shuk. i'm going to shout them out i like the harissa a lot so i'm going to shout out the
0: local brand for the podcast but love
1: it but um but
0: let some of the, so and the chilies i like chilies so
1: so the dishes bouillabaisse based mujidara you've got like shrimp beans and harissa we just talked about the tunisian uh influence so when you think about the mediterranean i mean that's a very large swath of the world how do you actually define for this book particularly the question is, is like Mediterranean food. Can you like say what that is in like a few words? Because no, it's
0: I can't say anything in a few words. <laughs> like, listen, I, I can't do short answers, and it really pains me to do it. But
1: you're I, doing a good job. Look,
0: I think like the Mediterranean diet has got all the years of people looking at diets. Like the Mediterranean diet has it stacks up. Like they're, they're pro, they're pro vegetables, pro herb, pro citrus, like pro legumes, like and they get the benefits of that. I mean they're connected by the sea and the temperature but there's so many different like religions and cultures within that you know 28 countries give or take i mean you know depending on how you want to look at it but like the olive oil is is obviously a common denominator the citrus the herbs but there is a simplicity there that's so beautiful but i think also as a brit and i think probably you would admit as an american it's sort of like as a writer and, and as a program maker, like we we we're still, we were still kind of post COVID and we wanted a little bit of sunshine in people's yeah. lives. So when you, you want st- to go on holiday to like, uh, to Naples, right? Yeah. And feel that energy. Yeah. And then when you restrict it to five ingredients, which is kind of code, like, so it's like nothing's by luck really. Like, well, five ingredients is cute for lots of reasons. Like it kind of like I got five, you know, five. five um, like, but, but essentially everyone hates at the moment the idea of long shopping lists. Yeah. And at this moment in time, people have never cooked less than now. So we, the people in this room are part of, rep- if you're here. This is a true I, fact. If, if, if you're here, you, I'm like, you're in, like this is the kind of club. And like, there's not many of us left. We cook and, less um, as a culture. Everyone assumes we cook more because
1: food is at the center of our lives. In the media, we know who the players are on the baseball It's never been food. less. But it's never been less. It's a rare breed. Which is very sad.
0: Yeah, and also people think cooking, like heating something up, co- like cooking, like a pile of stuff, doing stuff to it, and having something delicious at the end of it. Like that's cooking. So I think and so I, th- this is kind of code or a version or an expression of code to try and get you. <laughs> so, so as a room full of foodies, it's, it should still be worthy of your time. And, and I hope it serves you well. But for the people that aren't in this room, that's what that was kind of written for. Yeah. So like trying to write something or express a, something that can talk to a wide range of people and try, you know, and, it, and, and I guess my approach as a dyslexic is trying to take the luck out of it. I mean, it was always very tactile. Like I always went to like the printers and saw and chose the paper, chose the font, sat with the designers. Mm-hmm. Every book, every book yeah. since day one. And um, I watched you do it for. A, we were walking around your office, and you're
1: doing it for knife packaging that day. I happened to visit you. You were like, yeah, tweaking it. Just yeah, like walking it's, by. It's cool. It's cozy. Cool
0: yeah, I mean, I think like it's, you can apply it to anything. But I think like when this comes off the press, warm, it's like a little baby. <laughs> you know it's it's not but for me it is um but like um and like you know some covers feel really like textural and high quality and quite artisan and i've had a few of those that's nice and then some like like this was more about being wiped clean and a little bit like mm-hmm. you know, no no nonsense and if you look at the page you know you know i, I was fighting for white space yeah you know i didn't want to baffle you with heart and soul and philosophy that ain't this book you know, yeah. business. Crack on. Yeah. You're all busy. Crack on. Get to the recipes. Get amongst it. You've had a hard day. Get, you know. Get to the recipes. So I think, I think um, that, that's, so that's what I was sort of saying. It is a fearless. For me, it
1: feels. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a point of view. It's a statement. I'd like to talk about Italy a little bit because I think it's at the soul of all of your cooking. Yeah. Um, if you watch Naked Chef in 99, when did you start? 99? <sighs> Lost yeah yeah whatever I mean, such
0: a long time ago <laughs>
1: so when you started it you know everyone assumed he's a british guy doing british shoot whatever but no like your soul is in italy and i want to get for the podcast and for this audience about tell us like why did you fall in love with italy so hard was there a moment in your culinary career where you're like this is where i want to be rooted i
0: think i, I kind of go back i'm not doing it for it like as a dyslexic kid like, I had to find another way to get around stuff. And for me, like, even when you're trained in cooking, it's still very classically French regimental, which I, I love and adore and I respect. But for that kid uh, and for this grown, <laughs> grown man, like, there was something in the Italian spirit, and actually the Mediterranean spirit, but for me it was through Italy, that was driven by m- mothers, nonnas, which was driven by appropriation of the dish right like dishes that were fit for purpose that used up gluts or you know like a few extra people turn up so how do you stretch it like there was like this common sense with the food that was so joyful so delicious so humble yet glamorous Mm -hmm. and then the Italians like they're not bitchy about it (laughs) they're not you can try and cook some stuff and if you don't do it right you get a slap and then like physically, verbally, through the press. Like, the Italians are just cool. Yeah. Oh, you mean, like, you're referring to, like, the French no, they, previously in that statement, correct? Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I wasn't, actually. But, but I'm sure they don't... Thank it, you. They, they, for me, the Italian vibe had a freedom yeah. that spoke to me. And then it sort of... Then I worked in lots of Italian kitchens and, and with Italians. And it, it then just became a little filter that is deep inside me now. And... Even if I'm cooking British stuff or, and I'm trying to reach it. And I, funny enough, I've gone full circle now. I'm like deep into French stuff. I'm, I'm back into the French You're back. back okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. But I think that's like the book I gave you last night yeah. as a gift. Yeah, I said last night, like when I read it when I was 20, it meant a lot. But now I've read it again because the, the chef died. Yeah, Like it's such a... Give him credit on the book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Nico Landis. Nico Landis, yeah. Um, the words mean different things now than when I read them at 20. And I think that's all part of our journey. Like, it's good to go back to old stuff and just refresh and to look. And, and, and that appropriation, like, you were single then, you had family then, the family have moved on then. Like, just the way you live and how you live and where you live, like, it changes the reference point of a dish, yeah. I think. Um, so. Is there a dish that you
1: have, over the course of your culinary career, haven't quite figured out? Is there something, is there like a, a, a technique or a dish that you had it once in Emilia Romagna or, you know, wherever, and you have been trying to... I achieve... mean,
0: yeah, I mean, there's there's like, there's pasta dishes. Like, I'm pretty good at pasta and like done it a lot. And like many times I've sat with a 96-year-old nonna and she's just destroyed me. <laughs> and then conversely, like... it's like i've sat with an eight-year-old italian girl and she destroyed me and i so i think like it's good to be humbled regularly and my wife would attest to that um i think like (laughs) being in a constant state of not being good enough um is is quite good for your creative soul i think um and and also that the people that you saw in the office like i've surrounded myself with some one of the things i've done right over the last 25 years is as soon as i had any money i invested it in people yeah and like they don't like walk around all day saying how great i am it's quite the opposite (laughs) like we're always interrogating always always not quite happy enough like always trying to do better but always for you actually um and that's so that that constant state of not quite happy enough is it's, it's, it's keeps it's you going. Kind of
1: a great tension, yeah. and they're not kissing your ass. Also, you do group lunch twice a week or something in the office? Every day. Every day, Every there's day. like lunch not in the one, office. Yeah. Every day. That is and truly breakfast. the greatest.
0: And breakfast. Yeah. Uh, well, um, it's, I mean, I think it is. We're a food business, you know. So if you're a food business, like the best way to, you don't need to do a memo if you're eating it. No, it's true. You get to test yeah. stuff. And even like sometimes, mm-hmm. like we, it's an amazing resource that we have now. Like uh, yeah. we we were like in startup mode, and we were like a, a, a shabby chic operation for 17 years. Then we finally got organized, and so now like so if there's beautiful authors that are like just starting out and they're brilliant and they like it's in their heart, like they have full access to my business, full yeah. access to the room. They can do their book launch yeah. party there. Like, and you know we we can, had Julius Roberts there. We're yeah, putting we, out his book in yeah, January. We, yeah, yeah, we sniff out the good ones. You got some good so, guys coming by, yeah. We just love people that try hard and, and, and do their thing. So. Well, one more question,
1: then I'll get to our last section, then we'll open up the audience. Television. We, I kind of hinted and joked at the beginning. What TV show do you want to do? Netflix is listening.
0: I really. I mean, they, they
1: log, like we got. We got Net- Netflix
0: are never going to be interested in me until I'm dead, probably. But they, um, <laughs> but to be fair, when they, I'm they dead, will get... when I'm dead, they'll probably be dead as well. So, um, oh. um, uh, I, look, here's the thing: like it's um, t- the days of TV saying the sky is the limit. Dream up something wacky, and we'll pay for it. Like that, they're gone. Yeah, um, even for Netflix. And um, like, I personally would love to spend a summer in peru and work hard to bring to you a patchwork quilt of that country like like i've read enough eaten enough and i'm desperate to go and and i can go but if i go without the means to show you i feel like i'm like having an affair um (laughs) it's like so there's it's and it's really like if i go to a country without taking a crew i feel bad um (laughs) And there's a kind of rigor of making a program that really helps you get under the skin of it. Well, uh, access we spend months, we spend months. Yeah. Um, and, and, and our job is to go where you haven't seen on TV before. So that, that involves weeks and weeks and months of research. But yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd love to do that, but there's no way the BBC or Channel 4 will commission that. N- Netflix ain't gonna commission that. So actually, you know, wh- where I wanna get in my career, actually, cause it's all a bit weird at the moment in TV. Like yeah, no, actually, no one's having a good time out there. Yeah, like because it's, it's the same sort of people and dough just getting scattered across yeah. bigger wider podcasts it's... are worse too. Are they? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I've never done no. podcasts, so I wouldn't know, yeah. but I would love to self fund stuff. Like, so I would love to pitch to you and say, like, that kind of whole Kickstarter stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, open it up to the audience and say, like, here's three shows that I'm really passionate about that I think, you know, obviously tell me what you want as well, but like, and, and do a little sizzle of each one and then say, look, you know, Put five bucks in, and then when we get to you know a million quid, then we can go. Yeah. So because that's what it costs. It's, it, it's bloody expensive yeah, to get. To a, do it right. Yeah, and it's, it's like good kit, good lenses, good crew, people that can shoot food really well, really good producers. Like none of it's cheap. And then the secret ingredient is time, and yeah. the time's the yeah. most expensive bit in production. No, so it's too much. I, I hope I can get to that stage. What about the Samsung money? The Samsung um, money. Well, the, the, the Samsung money. It's not. It's, it's, not well, it's not quite hidden. Well, no, same. they buy old content, but actually, they're 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 getting so robust now that they might start commissioning their own content, which is quite exciting. Because I don't care who my boss is, I just want to make good stuff. You just here. want to go to Peru and, and film a Christian. Yeah, I, I so. just I, I don't. Care. It will happen. Literally, it could be the most random person in the world. As like, I just want to make it. But like, yeah. it's. So i just got to find the, I'm the, giving the you means five. to do it. I'm giving you five. Give me five dollars. Like, everyone in here get, can give me five. Us, so. us another few. But. All right. On This Is Taste, we have
1: guests about the discerning taste. So to close this live interview, here's a little fast and furious quick fire test. Are you ready? I'm so bad at quick fire. Anything. I love it. You're going to do it. You're going to be faster. We're going to get to questions because everyone's going to have great questions to answer. All right. The best fruit.
0: Oh, God. Um, uh, passion fruit.
1: The worst vegetable?
0: Uh, um, it's got to be one. A, a Turnip? Yeah, agree.
1: Hard agree. Turnips are not good. Thank you for saying that.
0: I mean, I still love them. I can do some good Thank stuff You can it.
1: do good stuff, but you got to throw on a bunch yeah. of like pork fat and stuff. Like All right. Your favorite London restaurant? We'll say that
0: right now. That's really hard. I, you got to give me one. Just give me one answer. Um, a- a- probably Rachel's Canteen. I'll go with because I really like it margot henderson and think she's great and i like the crew there and the food's delicious favorite uh, new york city restaurant uh king
1: shout out um, to king the yeah house. go on here we go jess is here thank you kate all right that was an easy one okay
0: your favorite recent. that was a sincere answer by the way no i think you, yeah
1: you, you mentioned it
0: yesterday yeah it's not because she's there I'm gonna fact check this yeah. you said it yesterday that was yeah. one of your favorites no so it's actually genuinely sincere it's a great restaurant all right so um favorite cookbook of all time no, that's really hard. So what, <laughs> I, what I will do is say, and, and I think this is an interesting lesson for the boys. Um, <laughs> I believe the best writing comes from the feminine and the people that have changed my life have generally been women or very camp men. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, Alice Waters, Marcella Hussain, Patricia Wells, mm. Rose Gray, Ruth Rogers, you know, Stephanie Alexander... Um, you know, is the tip of the iceberg, but like anything by those dudes is like great, heartfelt, emotional, thoughtful, sensitive, Mm. and that is something that the fellas, often great chefs, specifically men, are a bit baffled by the connecting on the words. So I think like read what those ladies are doing. I love that. And and that yeah, I look. I think, and it's not like a weird game. It's not. But I, I think when you're writing menus. Like if you just go on Giza Craft and Testosterone, it's going to bode badly, <laughs> you know. And um, and you can see, you can read it on the menu straight away. Yeah, you can definitely. So um, Alice reads the best menus. Yeah, Alice Waters. Did I say that in my you list? You sure did. Yeah. First one. Uh, do you hang out with the Ruthie Rogers a bit? Do you guys see each Yeah, one? I love her with, with a lot of passion. She's amazing, yeah. amazing human. Uh, Ru- uh, Ruthie Rogers from the River Cafe. Check out the book here. You should pick up the River Cafe cookbook. Yeah, I mean, so there were game changers back in the day. Like they had they, they reimagined what cookbooks should look like. Yeah. And a sense of design. And obviously her husband was Sir Richard Rogers who yep. did the Pompidou content- Center so, yeah. and, and, and all content.
1: those. Last one, your favorite sandwich.
0: Ooh. Oh, that's really hard. I love sandwiches <laughs> so much. I mean, Yeah but I also like I like the kind of I like the tension between really artisan fillings and then putting really cheap crisps in them um I think you call them chips right we like yeah. too but I'll take crisps like, I like I like it when it's like naughty but nice like posh <laughs> but posh but filthy but um but I think like you know um when I was in Louisiana, they were, like, knocking out these muffalatas. I don't know if you've ever had one. Yeah. But that, that stole yeah. my heart. Yeah, go on, girl. Yeah, I, yeah. Clap, clap right yeah. there for Yeah, but just amazing grocery. Sm- Let's smoked hams and, like, delicious cheese. Nod though. And, like, like, they do this kind of their version of a piccadilly, which is just, like, all these pickles. And yeah. I, I've, I love pickles so much. Life without pickles is, like, not worth living I'd give up. If there were no pickles in the world, I'd give up tomorrow. If there was no herbs in the world, I'd give up tomorrow. Those are, yeah. Um,
1: But yeah. The muffalada is the answer. Okay, we're going to open it to questions in the audience. Oh, this is
0: always the good bit. I love it. Who? Anything you like, guys. I will not hold back. First, yeah, right there, yeah.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: Hi, it's great to see you. Nice to see you. Um, It's the second time I've been to one of your book signings, so I'm really excited. Thank you. Um, I was wondering. Um, I always adapt the recipes, but I have a bunch of food allergies and intolerances. And I was wondering if maybe in
1: the future you'd consider doing a book that is like naturally allergen free, so not kind of doing the substitutes, but doing it's gluten free just because it is, not because you had to make it, or dairy free just because, and things like that. Yeah. Um. Just
0: something. No, I think different. it's 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 um it's a really interesting thing like the, the beautiful thing about a book is text it feels different than a screen um but also when you're answering a certain question so every one of you might you know so for years i had people saying i want a vegetarian book for, for like 20 years and i'm like writing back going look 65% of everything i ever written has been veggie and like no I, like, I want my book so and i get it i get it um and and i get asked to do stuff for you know i'm i'm working on a project uh behind the scenes at the moment for like uh, for cancer and diet and food and so it's all kind of going into journeys of like the nuance so i i do do the the kind of the big hitting books but i think the future should be and and must be about the nuance and individualized stuff so the good news is is i've written seven thousand recipes in 25 years Uh, i've got them all logged i've got nutritionals for all of them i've got them all like shot and it's all mine so so the clever bit will be like how do i package that for the nuance so there's two ways of doing it one is on a screen super easy and we'll be getting on that soon ish um and the other way is that you can kind of build your own book and then have a beautiful machine make it for you and bind it for you and actually it, it will cost a bit more i'm sure i haven't done the numbers yet but it's probably say twice the price but it will arrive just there for you so i think that in in you know it's like a bit like the nike id's like when you buy a pair of shoes and you can put happy you know johnny on the back and it's like cute and like individualized product i think is the answer and and a few years ago i did a, a book called superfood um and i didn't want to be that guy that quoted stuff and was getting like was talking shite so i i went back to school and it was like I gave up Fridays to, to study nutrition and, and, and get a degree in nutrition. And um, it was one of the best things I ever did. Um, completely changed my life, completely changed the structure of my business, actually. So nutrition is actually fundamentally at the heart of my business, which sounds like a random one-liner, but it actually, it's entrenched. So, um, yeah, I think um, like that's, we're definitely going to go into that area. That's a long answer for a simple question. I'm so sorry. I told you I'm not good at shopping. No, this is...
1: Thank you for getting me to think about cooking. Um, I don't do that much, and I always thought if if there was a cookbook out there that had just five ingredients, maybe I'd learn to cook, and voila. So (laughs) thank you, and thank you to Meg for introducing me to the book. Um, The question is, the pictures are so tantalizing. How is it that you are able to figure out... The magic five. It's not more, it's not less. It's five ingredients that somehow um, are destined to make these incredible results.
0: Um obviously by giving you a clarity on the front of the book, sort of doing what it says on the front of the tin vibes, you know, um it's five ingredients Mediterranean, right? So so I, I have to restrain. And and as as a concept in cooking restraint is the secret ingredient it's tricky it's so easy to put another thing in so because I'm trying to sell a dream on simplicity which is really important especially now I have to restrain which comes naturally to many cultures but but you can always put another thing in so I think you, you start to think about marriages and let's say best friends and and certainly there's many concepts of best friends some of it's subjective, and some of it is just non-negotiable. I mean, like, there's just certain things that work together. So um, if you look in the shop here, there's probably a book called The Theosaurus of Flavor. Like, Flavor so that, Bible? What? The Flavor Bible? Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of interesting. And yeah. then you can add your own to that. And it's sort of things just, you know, what is, chi- what is chili best friends with? So it can be as, you know, from chocolate all the way through citrus, you know, through to What grows together goes mint. together? In, uh, what, what grows together goes together. Do you yeah, follow that, yeah, yeah. I mean, often, often. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, so I love that. So when we're putting the five ingredients together, but then the tricky bit. So like, it, it, there's a lot of in modern day like addition. The there, like when we we're in Greece on the islands, like and they're making tzatziki everywhere. It's delicious. If you go to any supermarket, you can buy tzatziki. So for me, that's almost six or seven ingredients in one product that you buy. So that's like cheating, right? So we're allowed to cheat because that's how you live, right? So like when I'm out there with the Greeks and I'm like, "Dudes, like, do you use like tzatziki as a marinade? No, never. Like, it's dips and this and that and the other, but never marinade. I'm like, it's funny, like the other day I was like studying marinades and it's like three gears and it's sort of like citrus and vinegar, gentle, takes time. Um, And, and obviously the concept of a marinade is to flavor and to tenderize. Then the second gear is like dairy, buttermilk, you know, and the acids within the dairy. And then the most powerful is fruit, you know, pineapple and kiwi and papaya and all that sort of stuff. And that will, like, turn tough meat into, like, mush in 24 hours, right? So, and I'm like, I wonder what it would be like, like, marinating chicken into lemon, mint, like, garlic, olive oil, salt, pepper, dairy, like, and and, and, the, and he was saying, well, we don't do it. And I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then when you roast it or grill it, it's incredible. So, like, so it's like you want to have like respect and authenticity but also like some things are so deeply cultural that it takes a foreigner to come in and sort of like go mm, that's kind of a marinade like this abogado. oh it's delicious so we in that dish in the book is like onions rice chicken tzatziki and lemon mm. and you get a whole meal mm-hmm. out of one pan and it's badass it's like mm-hmm. all right so that's part of the journey of writing a hundred of Twenty of those. It's it's like, but it's never easy. Let's take another couple questions. I'll try and make them quicker. I do. Yeah, you're doing okay. You're you're down to like three and a half minutes each. So, hey Jamie. Hello sir. Uh, From one Essex boy to another, I'm from (laughs) Clacton on Sea. Have you been there? Uh, I I haven't actually. Haven't you? Tell me. So how is Clacton on Sea? I haven't been there for a few years because I'm I live here now in the Great. Uh, new york but um yeah i just wondered obviously i grew up in essex boy i wondered what were your favorite foods growing up in you know essex you know things like i love fishing and chips and blah, blah blah so i'd love to know what what yours were um well certainly around that that area the sea it's it's cold clean water incredible oysters malden sea salt colchester oysters um beautiful winkles and cockles clams whatever you want to call it like we had amazing seafood flatfish, dover sole's place turbots sea bass like like so i mean i was i grew up in a pub restaurant with six seven chefs working on a shift so we cooked that in some lovely anglo french ways um beautiful pies um fish and chips of course but also like you know something that we're quite good at in the states and the uk is like most towns have an array of like immigrant restaurants that are like fundamental to our happiness so um you know from chinese italians greek you know uh, uh um uh, indian like it's like we're so spoiled so and blessed so that's the tip of the iceberg but definitely hot chips malt vinegar you know some tartar sauce and a lovely bit of fish and chips on the seaside on a cold miserable raining day uh, is I can't think of anything better, <laughs> and and the smell of burning tires from an Escort f- XR3i <laughs> with some boy racer with fluffy dice and um, and uh, a group of people in the back seat. Um, yeah, that's and a straight through exhaust pipe. That is essence <laughs> through and through. It yeah. sounds like Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah. Hi, Jamie. Um, I'm a very inspired home cook by many of your books, and the founder of a new food as medicine startup. So my question comes from that angle. I think in today's environment, I'm curious what role you see your books, your shows, your knowledge in the overall healthcare industry.
0: Gee whiz. I mean, look, the healthcare industry for as much wonder as it contains is as conflicted as the food industry. You know, they're kind of, you know, they're pretty happy with the status quo at the moment. You know, They, they, they might not necessarily want you to be healthier uh because they want to sell you some stuff to fix you right so I, I, i think the food is medicine and the conceit of it and obviously you know many cultures chinese medicine is a is a good example i think thousands of years of like take control of your own you know take control i think that's really powerful now um and that's why i think cooking is so powerful and keeping cooking alive and all of us trying to get our friends and our family to cook and it's Empowering, and if you can cook, you can save money. If you can cook, you've got choices. If you can cook, you should be a lot healthier than the everyman. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm super supportive of that. Um, but there's a lot of noise and inertia with, you know, you have to make your own choices because sometimes it's hard to get the good stuff. So you have to be curious in your area and find the little shops and the little places and. You Know and, and and I guess in some respects, you can order stuff online. And certainly in the UK, we can anything can get delivered to your house now. And I'm talking about raw ingredients, and you can get subscriptions, and there's some really cool stuff happening. So it's kind of but I think now, now more than ever, you've got like kind of more crap than ever, yeah. and then more choices than ever. Oh, yeah. So you kind of have to like, and then the kind of algorithms in TikTok and this, that, and the other are kind of like just are strange. So it's probably, stressful. you know, so I just think hopefully we get to the position where the interesting small uh, guys that are doing great stuff um, can get their stuff to you. And, and, and look, I think also schools have got to start teaching cooking again. I just, I just yeah. don't understand it. It baffles me. It baffles me so much that we don't seriously take teaching kids across the country. Yeah, it's a real shame. How I cook?
1: let's do two more It's somebody in this area and then we'll do somebody in that area. So let's do one there, one there, and then we'll wrap it up.
0: Well, Jamie, I didn't know you until this past year with Yes Chef. And so the, oh, you're that's I'm a cool. newcomer. And it's amazing. my birthday. My wife flew me up here to see the day and sign it. So. Well, that is a lovely wife. And, and oh, you know, wow, how nice. But just the same that you were talking about food and those 10, I think, 10
1: uh, ingredient or 10 foods that, you could, that everybody ought to be able to cook.
0: Yeah.
1: For, like you say, the schools it's very difficult to get anybody in public schools to go to that direction you're talking about. But after-school programs like Boys and Girls Clubs, where you could come in there with funding to be able to
0: start a kitchen, get somebody in there. Is there any thought of something like that in the U.S.? Um, Like for me personally, like anything that I do with anything like that, they've always got my 100% support for free forever. Like you know, that I'm I'm all game for that, and um, I think what needs to happen in food and stuff is there's lots of cute things happening in cute places, and and it's all a bit random, and and what I've tried to do in my business is take the randomness out of getting these breakthroughs. So the idea of communities coming together and there being a network and and sharing resource and 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 parents having a, a louder voice to get governments to take. Because, you know, if you're talking about America or Britain being more successful in GDP and, 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 and you know, the money that's created in this country, like feeding the kids right, right makes complete sense. You know, if, if kids know how to cook and they grow into young parents, you know, we, we can track them in England and America. And, and you see that they're, if they're fed right and they're, and they're taught about food, they do better at school they get better jobs, they earn more money, they take less days off sick, they're more productive and, and they live longer. And, and it, certainly in elementary school, it's the best way to learn math and history and, and, and uh, geography and all of those things. So, but uh, sadly, they, they look at it as a, as a luxury, not a necessity. And I think one of the problems is because our governments work in a three, four-year cycle, really like to answer a lot of the questions that you're passionate about is a 20-year, 20 25-year plan. So we just got to get organized and and believe you me, I'd love to get involved in it and, 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 and I'm open to anything, well, but
1: what is the car you drive?
0: In car. The, uh, yes. Is it a Ford? So what is that? Yeah. It with a t- funny tie. I've, I've got have got, like, got, got, a Mark one Capri is that, that's right, Ford. That's yeah. is quite sexy. Yeah. And it was sort <laughs> of, I think it's shaped a bit like the old Mustangs. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then, uh, I've got a, a Renault Traffic, which is not glamorous, but I've got five kids, um, and uh, that's the people carrier. Because yeah. um, when they say you're a seven-seater, there's no room for the baggage, right? So you need a van. So that's One more over here. We'll do one, this guy right here.
1: We'll do questions after. Hi, Jamie. Thank you for sharing everything so far. Um, my question for you as someone who's written over 7,000 recipes and has sold over almost 50 million cookbooks, as a chef and more importantly, a lover of food, what continues to fuel your passion to continue to cook You know, more than 25 years later? Is it travel? Is it your family? What is it that continues every day to encourage you to cook? Of course, it's The fundamental part of your business but what is it that keeps pushing you to continue to cook
0: it's a great question i mean oh god i think like now i've set up a life where like there's so many people in it that are obsessed as i am so you fuel each other so sort of safety in numbers as it were um i think the hope is is if i keep trying and keep poking and keep innovating in the best ways i can that I can start answering some of the questions that he was just answering about, like, how do we, like, how do we, how do we get food back to be, like, a pillar of society? Because when you get the food culture right, and I'm not, I don't think it's because I'm being biased or, like, romantic. It's, like, to be American is food. To have community is food. Like, to to celebrate diversity is food. And, like, and I've seen it play out in so many ways. So, I, I think... I'm gonna go hard for as long as I can, hoping that one day, I, think, I, know, it's, I know the argument is all, It's always down to the individual, you know, the whole argument about individual choice, but that's a tricky one. I mean, it's a really easy one-liner because talking about individual choice makes you feel empowered, but actually, like, we do invest in institutions and powers that be that are gifted with the power, resource, and science to look objectively, galactically at your town, at your street, at your country, and look at patterns that are really deadly and patterns that are not pro happiness or pro health or pro productivity so so there's like this hilarious and beautiful and natural romantic side of food which is the bit that we love but there's this kind of this other side which is like and all we need is a few people if you had a if you had a a, a president that really believed in that like like brilliant things could happen and, and it can make people happier and healthier. And, and, I, and I truly believe that. And interestingly, like we're about to go into elections in the UK, like never in British history has a minister ever gone for the big job and put child health central and food and farming central. So I really believe that it's fundamental and it's just been like quite forgotten so I'm going to keep trying and I'm hoping because I think life sometimes is a bit of a, a numbers game. You know, if you just do one thing, like it might work, it might not. And I've had my fair share of not. So I'm just going to keep plugging away while the legs are working and the brain's working. And hopefully by the time, hopefully before I die, we might strike lucky. And, and I think it's never too late to change, but sooner the better. But,
1: um, but yeah. Will we see you in Parliament? I asked you this in July. Parliament?
0: You were like, hell no. But now, will we see Mate, you if, if, in if, Parliament? If I, if I had the big job, I would invite you all over. <laughs> like, we're going to have a great time. But I think, um, and I'd be massively biased on the things that I just spoke about. But I, um, no, the answer is no, I'm not going for yeah. that job. But, um, but I sometimes <laughs> wish, like, God. Like, yeah. we, we have a program called the Ministry of Food. And I yeah. actually, it was an old department of the government in the war. And funnily enough, yeah. that in in the UK in the Second World War, we had a Ministry of Food, and its ob- and its kind of actions, not objectives, its actions was about going to the public. So it wasn't about the public coming to them. It's a really interesting sort of emotion. It's like, so obviously we're in crisis, but to to answer a bit of your question again, like humans are funny. Like we only do shit when it's really bad, you know. So uh, so so. Like, in the Ministry of Food, if you actually look at what they did, it was, like, 2,500 ladies that went out into bingo halls, went out into high streets, into factories, and they were showing how to do cool things that were delicious with rations. And, like, they still got to do birthday cakes, morale. You know, like, mm-hmm. keep, keep the island pumping and going. So I, I, I love the emotion of the government going to the people, and I love the emotion of having a ministry that's just for food, because it's gone, it's been disbanded. Oh, it's been so, disbanded. Okay. Yeah, so that's the end of that answer <laughs> yeah. well
1: you jamie you are an inspiration i will just give him a round of applause you really are one of my favorite people in food and you really are keep please doing
0: it thank you um, i know you're all busy people so I'm, I'm really sincerely grateful that you took the time to come and see me 25 years of publishing in this beautiful country and uh, honestly when we do these events I do worry that no one's going to turn up (laughs) I can't help it but um, it's so nice to see a a full room and and smiling faces and thank you very much and I wish you a really great 2024 Thank you Christina Rizzoli Thank you Pat Stengel
1: our producer for the show and thank you for coming we'll see you in the spring appreciate it